0: Hey, deserving listeners. Today we're going to talk about how to be a good dad. A few months ago, I was contacted by another podcast called the Dad Challenge Podcast. They're a Canadian podcast, I think on the east side of Canada. And it's, a, you know, a few dads who get together and they tell jokes and they talk about parenting woes and challenges and tips and whatnot. It's a fun podcast. It's um, I, I recommend checking it out if you're interested in such things. And they contacted me, and I thought, well, you know, sounds like an interesting uh, podcast to to be a guest on. I I really didn't know what to expect, and the the conversation turned out to be actually really great. As I was recording it, I was thinking that it really was very indicative of sessions that I've had with fathers. You know, for over twenty years, I've I've been part of my part of my uh, practice has been working with fathers, and how to parent better. And, you know, it's a very nuanced thing. Parenting is extremely complicated. There's a lot of simplistic notions about parenting that are, uh, you know, spouted by so-called experts. And when you're at the ground level and you're actually doing parenting in the balance of all the other things in your life – you realize that it's, you know it's incredibly complex, it's hard, every kid is different. And while I was talking with these three dads, I, I just thought like, "Wow, you know maybe I should uh, share this with my listeners as an example of what a session can look like look like between a family therapist and a father, because I think they're struggling with extremely common things, maybe universal things. And so I thought I would just share that with you now, so let's just go to that uh, that talk. So this is the dad challenge podcast.
1: We're here with uh, Dr. Kirk Honda and he's from uh, Seattle and I'm really excited because he's going to like kind of shed some light from a psychologist or what would you consider yourself, Dr. Kirk? Uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. So from his perspective, he's going to give us some, I I mean, just like a professional look at what we should be doing or something we may not have thought of. When it comes to parenting, I guess, is the big one. So, Dr. Kirk, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're really excited to have you.
0: Sure, I'm glad to be here.
1: Awesome. So let's get right to it. Jeff, do you have anything you want to talk about right away?
2: I just want to know uh, a little bit about yourself. So you're uh, the therapist, and you've got a pretty successful podcast. Um, Where did you get your training, and uh, how did you come to this
0: point? Sure, yeah. I'm a podcast It's called Psychology in Seattle. I've been doing it for 10 years. Uh, I've been trained as a marriage and family therapist and as a psychologist. And I also, my main job is actually teaching as a professor at Antioch University, Seattle, where I train therapists how to be therapists. Oh, cool. wow. That's cool. awesome.
1: So you know your onions, basically.
0: That's what you're telling us. Yeah, as far <laughs> as uh, my field goes, for sure.
1: Awesome. That's great. Well, I mean, that's, and, when, and as I was searching for someone to come on the podcast... Um, I was just—I was listening to other podcasters, and yours came up like number one in there. So I started listening to your show, and it's really, really well done. And I love the way that you present your your topics, and that you you are balanced in everything that you say. So um, we're really excited to to hear what you have to say here.
0: Ah, thanks. That means a lot to me. Awesome. And we desperately need help.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so for this episode, we want to focus on the psychology of raising teenagers or like preteens. Because Brent, yeah. Brent here. Just so if you don't know, Jeff is to my left. Um, Jeff is a firefighter, and he is a dad. How old are you, Jeff? I'm
2: 39. He's pretty old. I'll be actually 40 in a week or wow, two weeks. So and Jeff has two, three kids. He has yep. a 12-year-old, four, 14-year-old, and, and a 16-year-old. A 16-year-old. Oh. Girl, boy,
1: boy. And then we've got to my right, Brent. Introduce yourself, Brent. Hi, I'm Brent.
3: Um, yeah, I do Brent things.
1: How old are you? <laughs> I'm 40. <laughs> and you are in high-tech industry?
3: Yeah, I'm in the high-tech industry. I work at a company that does uh, consumer wearable technologies, things like that. And I've got two kids. Um, right. My oldest is 12 years old and uh, my youngest is 10. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of in the, the preteen stage mm-hmm. of things, thinking about what it's like to be a teenager, trying to remember what it was like mm-hmm. and try to apply some of those things. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit different. So I'm 39. I'm, a, I'm actually a music pastor by trade. And uh, I have four kids. So I have a four-year-old, a six-year-old. a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old who's almost 17. And so the two oldest boys are adopted. And we adopted them about five and a half years ago. So we've got a big mixed bag here. And so we're just telling you this so you can kind of get a sense of who we are. We're all married, um, healthy marriages, all that kind of thing. And just kind of now we're going to step into you to help us. (laughs) Okay, great. So is it cool? Maybe is it best? And you can You can tell me, you know, the best way to do this, but I thought maybe we'll throw some scenarios at you and we could tell you like a mini story and you can tell us maybe, hey, what did you do to, what did you do? Like almost let us be in a session with you and you kind of just walk us through what you would tell any dad coming in with these issues.
0: Absolutely.
2: It's so funny. I was leaving the house uh, to come here and I've, I, but what about six months ago, I banned Fortnite in my house because it was making everyone crazy. And uh, just as I was leaving, my kid was playing fortnite, so
3: <laughs> what does that mean like making everyone crazy like because like I, my my son plays fortnite at least he used to guys he had, he does that that wacky dance thing, but what does it mean when you say like that they're kind of crazy?
2: just obsessed and uh constantly on it any oh, yeah. any spare time, even not spare time downplaying it, uh, fighting over who gets to play it okay uh, attitude when called to come from playing it, all, this, all the right, right. stuff you can possibly imagine. If so sure. you're on Dr. Kirk Honda's couch right now and you're telling him the, the whole story. Well, shouldn't he be asking me questions? Uh, you're yeah, asking yeah. great questions. Okay. <laughs> what happened was I well, I was on my way out, so I was in a hurry, and I, just, I, just, I couldn't believe that he was on there because he knew that he wasn't supposed to be. So in his mind, he tried to use this logic of, well, what I originally did was I took the cord away for the system, uh, I since brought it back during the holidays. They were playing some other games. Never once asked me if they could play Fortnite because they knew about the ban. And uh, But he decided tonight was the night he was going to try it. And just he acted completely shocked when I was when I was shocked that he was, uh, was playing the game that I told him he couldn't play. Well, let's bring it around. So, Dr. Kirk,
1: so we're saying that our kid and my kid is the same uh, very much. So if you let them, one of my kids has no impulse control. And if you let him do whatever he wants, he does not know when to stop. So if Jeff's coming in, he's got this huge issue, there's a big yelling thing. What kind of advice would you give to a parent whose kid is like basically addicted to video games and that? And I think that's a big issue today with today's teens for sure anyway.
0: Absolutely. Uh, The first thing I'll say is that parenting is complicated and there's no easy answers as, you know, real parents understand. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's lots of advice that is thrown around and some of it is good and some of it is bad and some of it is, you know, really just particular to particular individuals. The other thing I want to say is that parenting is also a decision that a lot of, or there's a lot of decisions within parenting that people will make that are particular to those parents. So one parent might say, no video games until you move out of the house. And another parent might say, I don't care. I play as many video games as you want. And there's no real right or wrong answer to that. Um, so so I just want to point that out. But if you've said, yeah. you said, know, you know, if you're concerned about your kids and you've seen a pattern of problematic use, meaning that... They will uh, forego other responsibilities like school or doing chores or socializing or you know coming downstairs to go to dinner or something. Then you know it's a responsible parent reaction to be concerned about that. You know these games are designed perfectly to quote unquote addict <laughs> children. You know, yep. the, uh, <laughs> or and and adults. They are uh, mm-hmm, you totally. know that's their whole purpose is to make them compelling to play to repeat use, especially a game like Fortnite, because from my understanding is it's free, but Mm -hmm. the more you play it, the more kind of likelihood you're going to spend money on extras like the dances and the skins and all that kind of stuff.
2: Yep, you're correct.
0: Yeah. Which also
2: blows my mind.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Because, you know, if it's free, it's like, why would you, you know, spend that extra money? But anyway, so, you know, there's a lot of real smart minds that are doing that. And uh, some people can handle that. Impulse control—they, you know, play an hour every day, and they are—they man- manage to, you know, get their responsibilities done. But you know, kids—it's so much harder for them because one, they don't care about their responsibilities, really. You know, they don't—they right. don't care as much about school. They don't care about doing chores. And the other thing is, is that their, you know, brains are such that they don't really have the ability yet to control such things. And you know, we live in a unique time now where kids are being exposed to these kinds of things in a way that they were never done before Mm -hmm. and so all you know most parents have to deal with this sort of thing and um the thing that i say is that uh two things one is is that it's a campaign it's not a reaction you know it's like you can't just like as you're walking out the door jeff you can't just like scream at him and like have that be the answer to the problem. I mean, sometimes that's the answer, but probably not, you know. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be like a, a decision that you make to go on a particular campaign that you've planned out with your spouse, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you plan that out in advance and, you've okay, this is our approach. These are the consequences. This is what we do. This is what we say. This is the reason we say. Um, and you enact that campaign and, and you also, like, try not to freak out when things go wrong. You know, like, I don't know how you felt how did you feel when you saw that, Jeff? Yeah.
2: I I didn't I didn't I didn't yell, I don't think anyways. He he might say different, but I, I probably <laughs> lectured a little bit more. It was it was more of a I really just couldn't believe it because it had been so long. So I just couldn't believe that he was on the game when I saw it. So how did I how did I react initially? I think I was standing there with my jaw dropped.
0: Yeah. And do you do you have so it was unexpected, is is what I'm hearing. You you thought you had established the rule, and you thought he was going to follow it, and this was unexpected to you.
2: Exactly, and and his and his uh, comeback was, oh well, I thought since you brought the cord back, that just meant basically free for all,
0: right? Which is you know yeah. wishful thinking, right? And kids do this all <laughs> the time, right? You know they yeah, since the day they can reach their hand <laughs> out and grab something, they're they're doing things. They're twisting the the reality, to, you know, for, to their favor. And frankly, a lot of times they get away with it, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it, it was without precedent that he might get away with this. And and right. six months to a child is like you know ten years to us. To us, it's, it was like we just talked about this six months ago. To him, it yeah. was like you know, back then I didn't have any body hair, and now you know, like we're, we're talking <laughs> right. like a wholly wholly different era at this point, you know. That's so. Yeah, so the um, it's normal, you know. It's just so the the key is is you you know you have the rule and you establish the rule and you 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 know you enact the campaign again, but to not get too worked up about it, you know. As a therapist, uh, we're trained to uh, react and understand our reactions to our clients, so we don't do things that are untherapeutic. and And parents are the same, right? You have to be aware of the kinds of things that, you know, trigger your responses so that you can manage it in the moment. Now, sometimes you want to, uh, let that out. You know, you want to, uh, if they're running out into the road, you don't want to like stop and think about, you know, your feelings. You just want to scream at them because they're going to get run over by a car. But, but in a situation like this, you know, it's just like, okay, I don't want to ruin my day at the very least. So how do you know what? What's the campaign what's the what's the choice? What did we establish? what was the consequence what What's the explanation to him um is there a punishment? What did me and my spouse establish? you know what's the protocol that's that's and sometimes you have to take a break sometimes you just say, and I don't know if the three of you say this, but it's just like so I'm sort of freaking out right now, and I'm really angry at you, and so I, I need about, I don't know how long, but I need some time to figure out what I'm going to do to you. <laughs> and, but, but, but for now, I'm taking away the Xbox, you know? Oh, right. that's
1: smart. I like that idea. So you're saying you, you, you reestablished what the campaign was. You remind them, and you say, hey, do you remember what we talked about? Um, right. And if they, you know, depending on what they're going to say. Yeah, yeah. But you remind them and say, yeah, this is what we said. And so for me, that's actually something I wouldn't do. I'm like you, Jeff. I'd probably just freak out and leave. I yell yeah. and leave. That's what I do. And, I, and hearing Dr. Kirk say that you shouldn't do that is kind of eye-opening. And I know you shouldn't, <laughs> but I tend to do that all the time. That's like my reaction to anything that pisses me off.
0: Right. So the other thing I want to say about parenting is that if you, can, if you manage to succeed at your parenting you know upper, upper goals, higher-minded goals of parenting, like, I don't know, 33% of the time, then you're one of the best parents on the planet. So, oh, that's uh, some hope. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not possible, you know, it, they, tr- you know, they're family members. They're not, I have the liberty, I have the luxury with my clients that I'm not affected by their lives. You know, these are your children mm-hmm. and, and it can be very emotional. And so, you know, you're going to freak out now and then it doesn't sound like you damaged them. <laughs> it just sounds like you have more, you know, conversation to have with that person.
2: You see, but I, I get accused by my wife of talking too much. <laughs> so like, I, I think as I talk to them and as I lecture them, I guess that I'm somehow going to say something that's pretty logical. Cause I, th- I think pretty logically. So I think if I say something logical that that's just going to go, Oh yeah, that's logical, but it never <laughs> seems to work yet. I keep repeating that same pattern over and over again.
0: Yeah. I have a similar problem. Uh, then <laughs> I feel like I'm not being understood. I assume it's because I haven't explained it correctly Yes yeah. and, and so i just so I just keep explaining it, <laughs> like assuming that at one point this other person's going to be like oh that 's why i can 't play you know uh, fortnite right um, yeah. that 'll never happen you know it doesn 't work eh? yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah your kid is never ever going to really say or think in all likelihood." I get why I shouldn't play Fortnite. Thank you for your restraint. You know, that's just maybe when he's 35, you know, until he's in your shoes. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: So is the answer not the answer. So a a solution or some kind of solution would be to because if that's never going to prevail, if 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 explaining something calmly, even like I know this makes sense and I know you're just doing this like I'm not saying I'm looking for the magical answer, but maybe some alternate solutions to say, Hey, look, we talked about this. Why? Or, or when you ask somebody, why would you do that when you know you're not supposed to do that? And they, I don't know. They give you that whole shrug the shoulders. And that makes me more angry, but what are some other ways of maybe approaching it from the side um, to maybe get a response?
0: Well, it is the, uh, the foundation for that is the bond. So, it, it's important and it's hard with some teenagers, but it's important to have a strong bond that you can, you know, have everything be on top of of that foundation. So um, spending good you know, quality time together as best you can, good, goodwill, and uh, because without that bond, the child will likely not be motivated to listen. Um, they're not motivated to even plea – even if they are agreeing with you, they're not motivated to express that. So everything depends on that strong bond. And, um, and then from there, uh, you just do your best to explain it. Like, look, you know, pal, here's my situation. And this is just one possible response. I care about you. I love you. I want you to be a successful human being. And um, I don't mind you playing video games, really. But I've seen you when you start playing, it becomes your entire life and you, and you throw away everything else in your life. And that really scares me as your, as your dad, because I, you know, I just, I project into the future and I just see you at the age of 45, still in my basement playing Fortnite. And, (laughs) and, and that's, that's really concerning to me. And I know you don't want that. And it's my job to think about those things. And so mm-hmm. that's why, you know, I'm concerned about this. And until you can see that, I kind of feel like it's my job to, to make that happen. I, and I hope that one day you actually can have some balance around that. You know, nothing wrong with playing an hour or two of video games as long as you're getting all your other stuff done. You know, there's a balance mm-hmm. in life. And do you get I that? Like that you know and and you know he might sort of shrug and say i don't know but you just keep repeating that and again making sure that the bond is strong and you know they love you and they'll listen they've list you know the reason why they speak english is because of you they they were very they're very attentive to what you do
2: so i got a little follow up to that so if you do lay out a nice uh conversation like that or or a nice uh what do you even call that little monologue uh, which I feel like I've done sometimes. But then when I do get that shoulder shrug afterwards, there's a part of me that feels disrespected, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's and awful. I, you know, <laughs> that's uh, that's awful. That feels, you know, very hurtful. It's very rejecting. Um, it's not the sort of child you want to raise like that. Um, you know, kids are scared. They, they look like adults, right? You know, the little adults, yeah. but they're scared. They might not know how to respond, uh, they might be confused um, they're selfish, you know uh, One mistake that I see a lot of parents make is that they assume their teenagers are mature, you know, and yes uh, yes it's just they are in some ways for sure and and some teenagers are more mature than others, but the vast majority of teenagers, particularly the ones that annoy you more often than not, are just extremely immature and and they have all these impulses and they have all these friends that are doing playing Fortnite every night and they are, uh, they have a really hard time, you know, sifting through all that. And again, by the time they're often, by the time they're 18, they've kind of figured out. It's, it's, it's not long in your future, but for the time being, you're sort of in the bad zone. Right.
1: Okay. So everybody runs into like this kind of zone eventually, not everybody, but I mean the majority of teens run into this thing and I'm, I'm finding that, as my teen gets older. So here's the difference between, I mean, all of our kids here, Mm -hmm. like we all, this is great because I have a teenager who, um, he's introverted, doesn't talk. And so this brings me to like another question. It's more like, um, I've got a teen who hates to hang out with us. Doesn't want to go out when we go to the, to the market or do something fun. Um, refuses to come upstairs when we have guests, um, just shuts himself down and sleeps in his room Um, sometimes he'll come and if there's something that interests him, like if I make a lot of music, I'm a producer. So he likes to make beats and he'll be like, let's make beats together. Always at the most inappropriate times that I can't help him. But there's only when he wants to do something. And I know it sounds like I'm bitching and moaning here, like a little baby, but it's, I'm not, sometimes I'll just be like, okay, shrug my shoulders. He's not going to come down. He's not going to come hang out. Um, and I just let him be what he is. Is there, is there, is, am I giving him too much freedom to say, or should I be like, Hey, you know what? Is there a conversation I can have where I say we we appreciate when you're up here, um, and it does this, this, and this? How do you navigate that? Like I know there's so many parents of, t- uh, of teenagers whose teenagers could care less about them who could who die if they spend five minutes with their parents.
0: Yeah, it's a common problem, and I think it's getting more prevalent as there is more entertainment inside of a child's mm-hmm. room. You know, when yep. we were kids, there wasn't much to do in your bedroom, so you had to do other things. Um, so the it's all in a matter of the perspective i think cuz once you change the perspective then it changes the solution so the way you're framing it is he's making a choice to avoid you know okay. it's it's his choice he, you know he's introverted and he he chooses to not come downstairs he chooses to do this but and that's you know a possible truth but another possible truth the one that i tend to look at and find more success with is that He's terrified. There's something about these activities that you're asking him to do that are actually so scary that he'd rather hurt his dad. He doesn't want to hurt you. You know, he loves mm-hmm. you. He, does, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to bother you. He he doesn't want your disapproval for sure. Mm-hmm. But he's so. He must be so scared that he. Uh, acts. Now they'll, they'll never say that. They'll never say, dad, I'm, I'm afraid, you know, sometimes yeah. they will, but most time they won't. Most time they'll just be like, I don't know. I don't want to. It's boring. It's dumb, you yeah. know? And, but really what they're, what they're th- th- experiencing is intense fear. And they might not even be able to identify that because they're young and immature. Yeah. Yeah. And so okay. when you assume that they're afraid, then you can maybe start to problem solve that with them or Mm -hmm. approach things in a way that are baby steps to help them gain self-esteem. You know, like for some kids, I don't know, like give me one example of of something that he avoids.
1: It's funny because you talk about self-esteem, but he's like super cocky too. (laughs) So he's introverted, but cocky, but you're right. So let's say, um, I've got friends coming over just hanging out and they've got a teenage daughter and they brought, they brought her over and he knows this girl. And uh, I said, come on up and hang out. And he just says, no, Literally flat out. I don't want to, and that's the end of that. And so that was a situation that happened recently.
0: People who exude cockiness are some of the most insecure people on the planet. Uh, You know, they they put on that shell. Now there might be some narcissism in there because you know they're children or whatever. But Mm -hmm. uh, I would be very. uh, uh, I'm, I'm quite positive that he is quite afraid, and you know. So in that example, he is projecting ahead, he's like, Oh, great. I've got to go down there. I've got to, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone's going to be watching me interact Mm -hmm. with this girl. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have confidence in my ability to carry a conversation or to say the right thing. I've made mistakes in the past. Um, how easier would it be if I just didn't come downstairs? (laughs) Plus, plus what do I get out of, out of facing this fear? You know, like I, I, I gain nothing. Um and it's just so much safer and and the you just keep repeating that over and over again, and the more time that elapsed, the child b- builds this narrative and that they are not good at socializing they're not good outside of their bedroom they're not good away from the Xbox, mm-hmm. and that can't and but they don't know that, and they don't express that, and they don't think there's anything wrong with that um and then you see them isolate. And it's very concerning to parents, and you should be concerned.
1: Yeah, yeah no, and I think that's, that's really good to, to – if you, if you approach it from a perspective of maybe they're feeling this instead of like, why, why? Like I always ask why. Why aren't you this? Why don't you want to hang out? And instead, maybe the next question is to be like, hey, I, you know is there anything I can help you with to maybe – I mean it sounds like how many people have conversations with their teenager like that? Hey, little – hey, dude, let's chill and let me teach you how to be social. I mean that you can't right. do that either.
3: No, no.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's subtle, right? You know, there's a corny way to do it and there's a real way to do it. And, um, like things that I'll say to teenagers are, you know, I'll just drop in certain words. It's just like, okay, I get it. You might be afraid. I don't know. When I was your age, I was afraid or just the other day Mm -hmm. at work. I got afraid in a situation like that. I get it. It's, it's easier to avoid. And he might go like, no, I'm not afraid, but at least it's like, you're introducing this, this notion that it's, that there's a a possible emotion and that it's okay. Um, The other, the other very easy thing to do is just to talk about your own life, you know? Hey bud, you know, I just want to talk about last night. We asked you to come downstairs. You didn't come down. Totally cool. But you know, I'm worried about you because you, you don't do much outside your bedroom. And I, again, I'm thinking about you in the future and I, I just would like you to have confidence and to be motivated in that way. And I just want to tell you a story. When I was in the eighth grade, Um, you know, my, the church youth group asked me to go on this trip and I was, I did not want to go, you know, I was just Mm -hmm. worried about it. I thought it'd go terrible. I didn't know these people. I, you know, I, I was scared, but I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, Mm -hmm. I was scared. Um, And, you know, aunt Mary forced me to go and I went and it ended up being this great time. And it sort of gave me confidence in my ability to like mix it up with other kids and Um, I don't know it just felt really good to get out of the house and like make friends and like laugh with other people my age and so I don't know I'll just leave that with you you can roll your eyes or shrug or whatever I don't care but you know I just I just want to leave that with you know it's but you got to keep doing that you know it's just like a lot of in and out you know it's you know short little things just keep doing it yeah Yeah. I
1: like that that's really cool very cool Brent. you got something
3: yeah, sure. This might be a bit of a like a bit of an open-ended or like vague question, but like, you know, uh what's one of the things that parents of of teens uh, mostly get wrong? You know, like there would be like just general sort of like pitfalls of like parents who maybe, you know, project some of their, you know, insecurities of things that they did wrong as teenagers or something, but like is are there like common themes of without really talking about your own, um, uh, you know, uh, clients that you see, but like that you've witnessed at least, you know, some of the things that parents of teens mostly get wrong and any, any insight into that?
0: Yeah. Uh, The common things that I'll see are, and it's not universal of course, but a, a very common rant that I will go on with parents that I'm working with are, that they focus too much on school. Mm -hmm. School's a great thing. I'm I'm Japanese, you know. uh, (laughs) Asians are really into school, you know. So I get it. Um, But the emphasis can sometimes sacrifice the bond, which I've been talking about. Um, You know, you're yelling at your kid trying to get them to not fail a class. Um, Or every day is this negative interaction between you and your kid as you're trying to get them to do their homework or Go to school, even and although school is important for sure, vastly more important is the bond between you and them. Uh, hmm. That bond is what grounds them. It's what gives them meaning in life. It's it's what gives them fuel. It's mm-hmm. what gives them the ability to try on different things. And if they lose that bond, then they really just give up. You know, they really just be like, "Well, my parents hate me, so why why do anything?" You know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. No. no that's-
1: you- you're hitting the nail right in the head. Like I'm, am, I'm am so guilty. Of this, and I have four kids. So, and you know, I've got a four-year-old, and I've got a six-year-old who are biological, my biologically my kids, and then to the brothers who are older. And my middle, my middle child, Tristan. Um, I'll just say my middle child. My middle child. He he struggles with that the most, because he has the most behavioral issues. Should I say? So, I feel guilty, and so does my wife a lot of the time, because he says that all the time. You guys just hate me. You just hate me. But I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. A lot of the times because of our stringent rules and the way that we run things is because we want him to succeed because we know that if we give him a mile or an inch, he'll take a mile, right? We yeah. know that. So is there, a, is there a medium ground? Is there some time where I should be backing off or should I stick to my guns because so, I know what the outcome will be if I don't?
0: You can absolutely stick to your guns. You can even be more strict. But the point is is that the bond has to be there as a balance. So, mm-hmm. right. I mean, I mean, you're
3: talking about the, the, the bond a lot. Like there's some examples that you can give in terms of like, how do you like, like create this bond? Like, I love this. I wrote this down, you know, the foundation is the bond. So like, what what are some thoughts about like creating the bond and, you know, I, we'll go get back into the some
1: tips the, and tricks yeah. on how to create or recreate or build back up a bond.
0: Well, Teenagers are really self-centered, so complimenting them a lot helps. You know, like uh, that's true. You're yeah. really good at Fortnite. You know, <laughs> or ever. <laughs> we're, we're editing that out, just so you know, Doctor Kirk. <laughs> yeah, um, you're smart. You're nice. Uh, you're funny. That was funny. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, l- let's um, let's cook dinner together and make it fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's make beats, you know, like the beats thing with your son. Yeah. Like that's a huge bonding thing. He'll never forget that. It's uh, true. You know, he'll remember it much better than you will. honestly, and uh, you know, trying to expand that a little bit. I mean, how many it's parents so cool. can, can jam music with their kids? You know, that's yeah, it's true.
1: He thinks he's better than me and he's not. I just <laughs> want to point that out. And it's funny because his little brother the other day, I made a, I made a, I made a song because I'm a songwriter <laughs> and I love it. And I made this song and it's like this poppy song that, I got my wife to sing on, and I showed his younger brother. and In the car, he's like, Why don't you just get Tyson to make the music? I'm like, Because he's like, because, and he's just like, he was like hating on me for like not. And, and but right. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I took yeah. a step back and I said, Tristan, you know, it's not very nice to say, like, if you said you showed somebody something you created and said, Oh, I know someone who can do that better, why don't yeah. you get them to do it? But I took the opportunity to say, Hey, look, it's really cool that you love your brother and his, because he wants to be his brother, right? Like yeah. every other young boy in the world. But it was an opportunity to say, Oh, man, you just actually hurt my feelings. <laughs> and I've never said that to him before.
3: But it was an opportunity for you to also be like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe next next music project. Oh, no, I said,
1: I hope yeah. your brother is better than me one
0: day, but he's not. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, talking about your feelings can also be a bonding thing for your kids. The assumption is is that they love you and they really want your approval. You know, when I was a kid, my mom, when I was a teenager... My mom would hug me and kiss my cheek and stuff and I would roll my eyes but boy did I love it. You yeah. know, and if my mom just looked at my behavior she'd be like, "Well, Kirk really just does not like to be kissed and hugged as a teenager." But she knew better because she knew that I was an insecure child and was having trouble with vulnerability and you know, your kids are the same way. They they so desperately want your your approval and so desperately want your attention. And sometimes, you know, as they enter teenage years, they start to vacillate with that and if things get out of whack then you can ha- you can sort of fall into a pattern where there really isn't a forum for that kind of attention and love to be between you and your teenagers you know
3: yeah so, like, talking about this uh, education side of things, I think we've been leaning a little bit towards the, the strict side, right? We want mm-hmm. our kids to like, get the best grades, you know, to be motivated to go to school or whatever. But, like, um, you know, as a lot of parents, I draw a lot of my parenting inspiration from my own experiences as a kid. And, you know, think about my parents, they were not so strict towards me in terms of, like, getting getting high grades or like whatever and i found that as i was growing up you know school like in elementary school or even middle school grades didn't matter quite so much as they did when like i was older right so the i think the approach that that we kind of take right now is we're not quite so focused on on grades at the moment would you see like the opposite as being like true as maybe like a um, something that can be like a, a negative effect to, to kids, you know, in terms of parenting, you know, like what if we're, are we too soft? How do we know that we're too soft if, if that's the case?
1: Uh, uh, sorry, before you answer that, Dr. Kirk, uh, this sure. is a huge, huge question because of the quote unquote snowflake era where we've created, people say that, I'm not sure you agree with this or I agree with this, but people have said we have created a, 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 a block of kids who can't lose, who, who don't know how to lose, who don't know how to say – who have never been said no to. Can't and all be sudden, wrong. How do you know um, – yeah, can't be wrong. But what Brent's asking it's, it's is how little, do you know you're too
3: soft? It's a little bit different though. I mean I'm not necessarily talking – I'm not raising my kids to be snowflakes. But, but, but I mean it's more like, like – you know what really? Like getting an A in elementary school – it's okay, because really, what are what are you learning? You yeah. know, like what can we remember from what we've learned from elementary school? Like,
1: so you're just saying specifically as it as it pertains to, or it pertains to school? Yeah, it pertains to school. How do you, you know?
3: You being you too know soft. Just how, how, in general, how do you know you're being yeah. too
0: Yeah, well, you know, both are good. Accomplishments are great. Achievement in school is great, and character is great. I think character is more important, um, but uh, there's nothing wrong with emphasizing both. And, you know, kids are different. Some, some kids you don't really need to do – among all your kids, I'm guessing one of them is one of those kids where you just don't really have to do anything to them. They just always manage to do the right thing. Um, do any of you have a lucky kid like that?
2: Mm. My, my Jeff's daughter? Uh, no, she's – got to be careful. She's the one who wouldn't want me talking about her the most. Um, no, I've got one for like school-wise who I don't have to say anything to.
0: Right, so and they'll just
2: go and do it all.
0: Yeah, so there are some kids where they ju- they just know, or they have self-esteem, or motivation, whatever. It's just kind of some people. Some kids are just born that way in some ways, and uh, so there's that. And then other kids, it's like everything's a struggle. And so, so for example, uh, you know, if um, with some kids the situation is is so hard with them for all all areas character school behavior you know drug abuse that sometimes you have to like let go of certain things because you got to pick the most important one you know so it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a case by case basis so
1: it's not wrong to think hey i'd rather my kid play fortnite than get out be out you know getting drunk
0: and girls pregnant that's absolutely a better oh, snap <laughs> scenario <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that's.
1: I sometimes justify that in my house by saying, hey, rather than be here playing video games, being all nerdy, yeah. than out, you know, trying drugs and, you know, hanging out behind the mall and, you know, being that type. I'm not saying that those kids are terrible, but I would prefer my kid to not start hanging out. Like, I think it was different, though, when we were young. Teenagers didn't have the smartphones and everything else to be connected at all times. They did hang out at the park and at the 7-Eleven. Yeah, they yeah. did all that stuff and yeah. they at the skate park. And they don't do that these days as much as, as far as I see. I don't see that.
0: I don't see tons of kids loitering anymore. Uh, they do, but just at lesser rates. And absolutely. I mean, data shows that kids today are less likely to use drugs, less likely to drink, less likely to get pregnant uh, earlier, and less likely to even have sex earlier. And so, uh, you know, maybe Fortnite is part of that, part of that reason. Thanks, Fortnite. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that should be their campaign <laughs> your kid won't get pregnant young when she yeah, plays Fortnite. i don't know i just i i think the, one of the things is is going back to the snowflake thing the era of snowflakes <laughs> is do you see a difference right now um or do you see this this movement or something that's happening with parents coming in raising kids like that or are you seeing this are you seeing what the world thinks it's seeing as it pertains
0: to people being too easy on their kids I uh, see a lot of things. Um I've been a family therapist for over 20 years, and it's hard for me to gauge trends on the clients that I've seen. But mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, there hasn't been any serious differences, um, even among kids, like uh, if you just sort of watch the media, it's like, oh, there's a certain caricature that they will paint of teenagers today. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah. when I actually talk with teenagers in my office, I find them to have the identical thoughts and lives that I had when I was a teenager. Even though they have all these extra technology things, that's good. Cool. But, cool but you know, they're they're concerned about friends. They're concerned about fashion. They're concerned about uh, self-esteem. They're concerned about, you know, they think fart jokes are funny, you know, <laughs> as you always. Know. Yeah. It, there is. They're very similar. I find to me
2: from what I've, I've been listening to and it's, it's something I'm actually gonna make a confession right now. Cause, uh, I think you said something that my wife's always telling me. She always tells me, I got to let some things go. And I've heard you kind of allude to that. Like, uh, the shrugging of the shoulders, uh, when you told the story about, uh, you and your mom, uh, she she was smart enough to to <laughs> let it go. I guess I'm terrible at that. So my, I'm confessing that. Uh, when my wife hears this, she's definitely going to say I need to listen
0: to you and her. Where? <laughs> How were you when your kids were younger?
2: Uh, I would say I was probably better then. I was probably hardest on our first one. Like anytime you would do anything like remotely wrong, I was all over him probably, and it might be the reason why he pushes back against me now. Um, but I would say better, but now it's, now for some reason it seems to be this, uh, pride thing or disrespect thing. But, uh, that aside, the question is, is, is a parent ever justified in giving up on something though? Like, I know we're supposed to let some things go, but should we actually give up?
0: Not the situation you're talking about, uh, in my opinion. I mean, of course, every parent has the right to make their own choices, but, uh, you know, I've seen situations where I have thought giving up was the right thing to do. You know, you have a kid who is in a gang who never comes home, has has stopped going to school years ago, um, violent, has guns stashed under the bed, you know, um, these kinds of situations. I, I have seen parents after years of trying uh, in my opinion, uh, ethically give up, so to speak, you know, um, but no, I I, I don't yeah. think uh, the situation you're talking about, I, I would just, you know, if I may, Jeff, I would look at how you feel during those times first, you know, it, it's kids can devastate us. Our own kids can devastate us. They, mm-hmm. They can, you know, same as our spouses can, same as our parents can, they can with a shrug, with an eye roll. Destroy our ego, and uh, when we are destroyed, we don't feel good, and we will do something to try to stop that from happening and A very common response, particularly for men, is to lash out you know, and so uh now that doesn't mean you you have to not have feelings; it means that you take care of yourself, you know like like he, you go into a situation with him and you're just like, okay, he's probably going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> he's probably going to shrug yeah. and it, and it's going to devastate me and I need to recognize that. And as soon as he does that, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm, I have a plan. <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to like walk out of the room or I'm going to say, you know, son, when you do that, it, it hurts my feelings. It makes me feel like you don't care about me, you know? You don't have to respond now, but I just want to tell you when you do that, it, it really hurts me. Or you walk out of the room and you tell your wife, you're just like, he did that again. And it, it devastates me when he shrugs his shoulders. Can, can you tell me I'm a good dad? You know, can you tell me I'm doing the right thing? <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. those are very important things. You know, and as men, we're taught we're not supposed to do that, right? We're supposed to be able to do everything on our own. We don't need to ask for support. We don't even have hurt feelings. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's that's unfair to us.
1: Hmm. Do we do we protect our kids from the mistakes we made when we were young or do we let them make their mistakes like there's a there's a I know that parents are split on this and I, sometimes I'll say that to my son that look man you can't try drugs because your parents are addicts and so if you do this you will most likely become an addict. I'm not saying he will but I just I maybe I'm scaring him but uh, and I'm not saying I was but I'm trying to protect sometimes because I grew up very similar to my to my my nephews who are the adopted boys. Um, Broken home, drugs, abuse, all that stuff. And I went the other way. And I got lucky because no one else in my family did. But I'm trying to say, look, I don't do what my brothers and sisters did and my mom did. Don't do that. Do I let them make mistakes or do I I try to protect them?
0: Yeah, well, the question is a bit – let me reword the question because it's letting kids do things, particularly as they get older – it's kind of a moot point because they just do it anyway. Right. right. <laughs> so, so it's a matter of uh, guiding them, right? And I talk. This is another mistake that I see a lot of parents make is, you know, when your kids five, you don't guide them, you control them. You're, you, you say you are now going to bed. You are now eating. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're not hungry. I don't care if you're not cold. You're wearing a jacket. You know, there's no debate. You know. You can't depend on a five-year-old child to make choices that are good for them, right? Um, when you're crossing the road, they don't want to hold your hand. It's like, you're going to hold my hand. Well, mm-hmm. that does not work when they're 16 because they feel like they deserve you know, their own autonomy in some mm-hmm. ways. And so at that point, you shift to a matter of guidance, a matter of explaining and, and, and helping them to understand for, with drug use, for example – the best case scenario is you have a automatic pilot that is inside that child's mind that guides them. And sure, they might experiment, you know, it's normal to do that, but they're not going to let it become a problem, you know, and they understand what addiction is. But it, when you exert control, like you are not going to do this and that's all you do, then mm-hmm. the kid doesn't, you know, they just sort of file that away as like, yeah, parents want to get in the way of all fun and they, they have a lot of right. stupid things that they say. Um, so it's a matter of trying to download your wisdom into them. And, you know, that's a, that's a campaign. That's a lot of conversations. It's the long con. (laughs) Yeah. You know
3: what? Honestly, take them to downtown kitchen and walk them around for a little bit and, uh, (laughs) stay away from kids from drugs, kids.
1: Is there something, is there something to be said about that type of parenting where you're like, Hey, you see that homeless guy over there, that crackhead, um, you know, don't do that. I mean, I know that sounds super judgy (laughs) and it's really, it is kind of, it is dickweedish. But I'm just saying, um, is there is there something to be said for not necessarily just, hey, look at that homeless guy, but just to say, hey, look, do you really want to become like that? Is that is there a danger in that?
0: No, Uh, there are there's if it's true that someone has succumbed to addiction for one reason or another and their life has been ruined and you want to use them as an example or they even want to come up to you and use themselves as an example. I don't know, um, you know, that that can work. But again, it's all about how it's received. You know, if, if they just hear blah 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 blah, then it's pointless, right? It's all a matter of like, how do you speak to them in a way that they get? Then um, mm-hmm. that's the trick. And as a family therapist who's talked with a lot of teenagers, I can tell you it's a it's an art form. You know, like mm-hmm. the ability to break through that shell, particularly with some teenagers who just flat out refuse to listen to adults, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a very tough nut to crack, but that's the trick. It's not a matter of like, what do I say? It's like, what do I say that they receive, that they hear? You know, that can be a very subtle thing.
1: I think important too that as a parent is possibly to always be getting counseling. I mean, counseling isn't just for those and therapy isn't just for those people who have it, who don't have it all together. It's for people who have it together who need it. It's just good. This is why I love this podcast, because it's this therapeutic for me. We can tell our stories. We can talk to professionals. We can talk to each other. Um, but that's another thing is that something's going to work, but it's never a bad idea to get talk to someone like Dr. Kirk in his office and say, look, I need some, I need some advice. I need some pointers. I need you to write down a sentence for me. I need this some and that. Guidance. You know?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I talk with parents all the time. A common scenario is, is the parents will call me up and they'll say, you know, my teenager Johnny is... Off, you know, off the hook. He, I, he, he's, he's skipping school. He's hanging out with bad friends. He's flunking all his classes. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna drop. I'm gonna drop him off, and I need you to fix him. And then, <laughs> and then I, and then I say, okay. Well, for the first meeting, let's have y'all in the in the room, and let's talk about it. And then mm-hmm. over time, I, often what ends up happening is I'm only meeting with the parents. Um, okay. Because Johnny doesn't want to go to therapy and doesn't want to talk to me and uh is only with me at best one hour a week whereas they're with the parents you know 24/7 mm-hmm. and so uh you know so, you know one and, and then so there's a lot of venting that can happen in therapy where parents just sort of vent their feelings about their kids um parents come together they bond together as parents in terms of like we're in this foxhole together mm-hmm. you you strategize you make plans and therap- you know family therapists who are experienced in such matters can have a lot of guidance. Now, like I said, there's no silver bullet, there's no right answer to these things, so it's a lot of trial and error, you know. It's like, well, mm-hmm. let's let's develop this campaign and see how this works for a couple months, you know, and let's let's see how this let's see what this does and then you just keep responding to what's happening.
1: Very much like e-commerce, which is our past episode, split testing <laughs> your ads to make sure which one works <laughs> and throw all your money behind that ad. That's basically what you got to do.
0: That's right. You take two kids and you you do one parenting style with one kid, you do another parenting style with another kid, and whichever kid you screwed up more, you realize <laughs> <yeah>. sweet.
2: <laughs> That's what it comes down to. It's always our fault in the end anyways. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I got a question. You talk about campaigns. I'm wondering about a campaign on this one. So let's say this isn't actually a scenario I deal with, but some of our listeners maybe. Uh, your teen, your young teen is uh, sending or receiving nudes on their telephone. Uh, what do you think about monitoring their phones? Is that a good or a bad idea? I know my wife and I have had that debate about monitoring the phones. We actually held off getting phones for the long time just because of everything we heard about brain development and all that. But once you give them and you know what other people are up to, we felt like, oh, we should be monitoring these.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think that the marketers at AT AT&T and Samsung and you know t mobile have completely uh, tricked all of us into thinking that children need to have cell phones, and you know we grew up in a time when that was absurd uh, you know I, and i 'm not against parents having their kids have cell phones but what, but what i 'm also saying is that they don 't necessarily need them. <laughs> And just yeah. because just because they're whining about it doesn't mean that they deserve it, and just because yeah. every single one of their kids has one doesn't mean that they deserve it, you know uh, and doesn't mean that it's not it's, doesn't mean that it's not harmful to them so that so that's one thing um The other thing is is if you do give them a cell phone, uh you know just telling them flat out, I have installed software where I get to see everything you do." <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, like right. uh, you can talk to your friends, just like you can talk to your friends in the next room. I can hear everything you're saying, but mm-hmm. you know, that's just how it's going to work. You know, you can browse the internet, you can look at, you know, Reddit or whatever. But just to let you know, like I have, I have, you know, I'm going to be able to see, or you just randomly grab their phone and start looking through stuff. You know, I, I don't have any problem with that. Um, again, it's a case by case basis. Some kids there might be so many other problems that that one you just have to let go i have right, a similar right. i have a similar thing with like cleaning your room like some kids mm-hmm. it's like that's the only issue you're working on with them then go for it but if it's if you're working on 100 issues cleaning the room is not an important issue to be working that's on that's really that's, yeah, some that's cool
1: good. that's some cool advice that's some insight to say like write down all your issues <laughs> And then maybe prioritize them and say, look, I can let that one go. Or let's work on this one and then next, next, next. Yeah, pick your battles. I've had, there's so many people that I've talked to about this whole phone monitoring thing. Especially you know, teens themselves are going to say, no you know, F that. Yeah. But um, I've even heard parents like, no, they are their selves. Let them make the mistakes they're going to make. But not – because we're in Canada. It's different. I'm not sure if it's the same in the U.S. But if you send a nude or receive a nude – both of you are in. Yeah. If you have, if you have
3: that, like, yeah. and it's like, like underage, like you're going, yeah. and that's the thing with my kid too. Like we, we were talking about this, like straight up. It's like, you, you cannot do this. Say if it did, you know, we had this conversation with him. It's like, if anyone sends you like, like an inappropriate picture, like you, and you get caught with that, you're going to have a criminal record. Like you're in a lot of trouble right away. It doesn't matter if you guys are the same age, you, you have that, especially if you send that to. Man, you're you're passing that around. Yeah. So like that that was my assumption. I'm I'm glad to hear that that there's some truth of that because like, you know, I'm okay to 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 lie a little bit to my kids if I instill some <laughs> like, you know, good fear in.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is it? I mean, that's a question. Is it okay to lie to your kids when it's <laughs> when it's too when it's I guess for their benefit? <laughs>
0: If you can get away with it. Um if you if you can't, then uh you've damaged something there, That's you know. That's for sure. That's true. I would yeah. agree with that for sure. Yeah. And usually it's not required, you know. Like like if, if a parenting action requires a lie, then you're probably not in the right zone to begin with. You know, yeah, you
2: did something wrong if you got to that point yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um but yeah, in the States uh I'm not up to date on the laws because it's not my specialty, but yeah, from what I understand, if two minors send a photo, naked photo of themselves, but you know, or, or exchange, they both can be prosecuted as a sex offender and mm-hmm. be put on the sex offender public list for the sure. rest of their life. I'm, I'm, again, I'm not it's sure of the, in the yep. details on that. And so you just tell your kids that, you know, that, like, cause again, it's a ma- cause if they have those phones at any moment, they could do it. So you, so having a rule that they could break is not the solution. The solution is to have an autopilot of wisdom inside of them that understands. And maybe it's, maybe you have to tell them 20 times for them to know. Maybe you have to send them an article and say, I'm not lying about this or, or look at this kid. What, you know, this happened to him. Kids are afraid of stuff like that. I mean, I, you've, I'm sure you've heard your kids repeat things that you've said, you know, they're like, Oh, don't get close to that thing. Cause you know, you'll get hurt even though, They've never done that themselves. They've internalized yeah. what, what you've told them. You know, they, they listen.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
2: I got to throw in a tiny little story here just cause it'll, it kind of goes with what we were talking about, about the phones. Uh, we avoided the phone thing for a long time. We got our kids flip phones just actually last year, which is kind of crazy for a 16 and a 14 year old. Like everybody's got phones and they didn't. And they always told us that, um, uh, but somehow those two little weasels, <laughs> and this is where other parents kind of drive me a little bit crazy. They're buying their kids upgraded phones. So my kids came home, both of them, like within like a week of each other, with somebody else's phone that they just gave them because they didn't yeah. need it anymore. They got a better phone than I do. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. And so if you have decided that that is a risk, and again, you explain it to the kids, they're you know they're not necessarily going to get it, but there are risks, you know, uh, giving a child a smartphone today without any kind of way of controlling what they're seeing. You're giving them access to literally every, every worst human behavior in image and story and, you know, and Mm -hmm. movie form that has ever existed. You know, every Nazi thing that's ever happened, every child porn thing that's ever happened, every, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that's ever happened is on there. and, Every abuser is is looking for ki- you know every abuser of children that is into that sort of thing is looking for kids and so it is a I never portal to you know some of the worst I mean I've been traumatized by some of the stuff I've seen on the internet as an adult and so it, it, you know for parents just to hand that over I find to be strange yeah. That's refreshing
1: yeah. to hear from uh, from someone who is a therapist who who understands this the psychology of it all. It's really refreshing to hear that because that's not the norm for parents. I I see kids who are nine years old with smartphones. I'm yeah. like, I want to punch their parents in the face. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, I'm mean, like, I I don't want to judge other either because maybe you have a great boundary, maybe you have some software yeah. in there, yeah. whatever it is. But man, at, at some level, we got to figure this out where we have to say like, this is like psychologically, this is bad for a child to own a smartphone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, we want to just we're doing this podcast, Doctor Kirk, because we want to. Sh- parents to kind of have a little bit of insight or a little bit, maybe a, a, a different view of what we could be doing better. And I think what I'm hearing and overall, no matter what problem you are struggling with as a parent, it's bond first. Once the bond is established, all the other stuff may not be as hard. Um, it won't be, it, it might not be as easy either, but it'll be easier to, to navigate when your
0: bond is strong. Absolutely. When the bond is strong, they're much more motivated to obey you because they, you know, love your approval and they trust that they're going to get it. Um, Once that becomes a little shaky, then uh, things can go bad.
3: And it's not necessarily to, like, make a bond in order for them to listen and obey you, right? Like, there's something authentic that has to happen. I think they – you know, kids can pick up on that if you're just kind of, like, putting in the time so that they can, you know – they, they, you feel like they might listen or something like that. I think when you have that kind of like genuine thing happening, you know, it could potentially m- make it easier maybe, I'm hoping. You know, my my kid's still just 12, so I don't know, man. I'm like staring down the barrel of like, a, like the teenage years and I'm just hoping that I've got my ducks in a row. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's a good thought. It's like, okay, before... The S hits the fan. How can I make sure that I have a good foundation going into the into the bad years? 13, 14 are the worst years it, uh, in my experience. Yeah. So. You oh boy, know, here we go. On. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Cool. Thir- Thirteen, fourteen are the worst years. It gets better after that, it, you think?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, fifteen isn't great, but but <laughs> six, 16, 17, yeah, you, you start seeing maturity, and by eighteen, okay. nineteen, yeah. there's there's pretty big differences. All right.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: here's a quick question, or here's a here's a quick thought. Now, my older boys are adopted, and so we go through a lot of issues together. Um, there's been things in the past where I got really upset about things and choices that they've made that I really just don't want them to make, right? But overall, not crazy amounts of craziness, but because of his past um, and because kids who generally grow up in broken homes and in, in this type of situation, it, it tends to cycle, which is why the government gives you more advantages than kids who don't have that. So that's what I'm I'm trying to. I'm trying to defy the cycle at this point.
0: Yeah. You know, I don't know the history of your adopted kids, uh, which you're a saint, by the way, for doing. Thank you on behalf of society for doing that. Um, They (laughs) likely were traumatized or mistreated in some way and are going to have effects during teenage years that will be challenging. And uh, it's it's a neurological thing, you know, early development and attachment are um neurological yeah. uh, developmental phases and um it can be very challenging and i uh, i specialized in the beginning of my career with a lot of parents like you who had adopted kids and when they became teenagers they started doing a lot of concerning behaviors mm-hmm. you know and uh it's it's a very it's a very tough situation
1: yeah so we're i mean it as far as it goes, I've, I've seen other adopted kids who went way, way, way worse than Micah, and I'm happy that they're 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 doing well. But it's funny because Jeff and I, Jeff and I's son, Ty and Tyson, they're besties, bestie besties, like bestie friends, bestie friends, and they they're so different with their childhoods, the way that they were raised, completely different. Um, and so it's just it's it's funny to watch how sometimes Jeff will have problems, and I'm like, man, I'm glad I don't have that problem. But then I'll have the, a, a worse one, and it's like. It's, oh, I think it's okay as a parent to be like, oh, thank God, I'm not, I'm not in the, I'm not alone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I'm guessing what your listeners get out of this podcast is how, you know, I'm not alone. That That's a very important, I mean, yeah, one really of the like- things, yeah, well, one of the first things I tell parents when I talk to them is that our society today, I, I'm guessing Canada is similar, is it's extremely judgy about mm-hmm. parents.
1: Absolutely. Um, oh, Yeah.
0: It, yeah, if you have a kid who got a C in a class, or if you have a kid who shoplifted, or if you have a kid who plays Fortnite every day, uh, there's this you know huge chorus of society that is ready to you know jump down your neck and say you know that you're screwing things up, or you're you're not hard enough on your kids, or you're not soft enough on your kids, and and I find that to just be incredibly oppressive to parents. And so what parents do is they just they just go into a shame spiral and and cry themselves to sleep every night and think that they're terrible. And what does that do to their parenting? Well, it's not good. And, and they either get more angry or more distant or something. And you know, and what your podcast is doing, I'm guessing a lot of yeah. parents are listening, or at least the three of you are listening to each other, yeah. <laughs> is that it can be incredibly uplifting and normalizing, which gives you the strength to you know, be a parent once again. That's
1: a big aha moment for me right now is what you're saying, is that some of the things that we're projecting on our kids is because we don't want to be judged by other parents. That's crazy to think that that's sometimes what parents do and and how they will raise their kids because of that. Wow.
0: Yeah. We're all a part of one big system, you know?
2: Yeah. Takes a village. Can I actually ask one more question that's actually something that I kind of want to know? One of my kids who I feel bonds pretty good has an issue whenever confronted with like doing something that did upset like even if you mildly approach it uh the the response is almost to like take off right away and run away from it i mean like just around the house too so like if something happens uh, like an overreaction if you question right away if, if that overreaction were to happen you go hang on a second like why are you reacting that way the the immediate reaction is to then like run away from it go to the room
0: Right. So if I'm understanding right, you, the child will have a over emotional reaction like anger or, or upsetness or something.
2: And yeah. then
0: you, and then you point out like, geez, you know, you I think you're overreacting and then they run away.
2: Right. Yeah. So maybe ask to do something. So, Hey, would you mind doing this? A snotty response back to it. And then, Whoa, how come you responded that way? And then take off.
0: Interesting. Uh, do you ever follow him into the bedroom? <laughs> uh, <laughs> with a belt? <laughs>
2: <laughs> nah, I think I've pursued before and, and, you know, to to again do my logical thing where I would say, hey, why, why are you doing this? And I tend to actually with this child be a little bit easier and the other ones would accuse me of being a little bit easier. But for some reason I have an easier time talking uh, even when that child is – upset. I don't know why. Um, but I, I still don't seem like I get anywhere.
0: Yeah. Asking a child why is probably not a fruitful endeavor. doesn't work. Um, it. Okay. Yeah. Because, crazy. uh, they are, they don't know why, you know, okay. they, they, they literally don't know why. So you have to help them with that. You know, you, you have to show them the landscape. So, you know, you're asking them to do a chore and then they're like, God, I don't want to, you know, and and then they storm off and you're just like, geez, you know, what's going on here? Um, you go into the bedroom and you're just say like, you know, so I'm guessing you don't want to do the chore. No, I don't want to do the chore. OK, well, you know, uh, you seem very emotional. It, can you tell me what what's happening for you right now? I don't know, nothing, you know? And you're like, well, you seem angry. <laughs> you seem very angry at me. Is I don't know. Is And they're like, no, I'm not angry. I'm, I'm frustrated or something, you know? And yeah. then you're like, okay, you're frustrated. I get it. I'm with you. Um, you still have to do the chore, you know? But, you know, I See, get I frustrated. Don't even,
2: I don't even I, get that much out of them because they will say they're not angry. They will say they're not this. I didn't do that. I didn't do, it, but they, I get nothing at the end. That's the, part where I, because I well, do kind of want to get to the bottom of it and say, like, hey, what is the emotion you're feeling? Because I can see that there is something, but I can never seem to get to what it is. Can Could, I so interject it's, here? It's,
1: Dr. Kirk, so do you think that maybe his kids are saying they're using that as an out because they know that he's probably just going to be like, oh, man. Do you think that, there's, know that Jeff's not going to pursue them or do anything about it, and that's maybe they're using it as an excuse, or they, they, they're manipulating?
0: Well, do they do that every time, Jeff?
2: It seems to be... Um, no, like every time I asking them to do something is only one example. Like it could be over anything. Like if they, if something happened, if they were to like drop something, they may like run away before something's even said. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I, I suspect it's an emotional regulation thing. So mm, they, okay. they have an experience and, uh, you know, he doesn't know what to do and he's, um, freaking out on some level and his room is a safe space or something, which okay. is fine. Um, and what he needs help with is how to know what's happening for him and maybe not be ashamed of his emotions on some level. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. but the goal of getting to the bottom of something, I'm telling you as a therapist who is trained on getting to the bottom of something, right. uh, it, it might take years to get to the quote unquote bottom of something. So, so just so,
2: continue the talk.
0: Yeah, you know, just lower the expectations on like what kind of revelations they're gonna have. You know, it's right. not it's not likely they're going to be like, "Oh my god, dad, you really helped me understand myself. Thank you." You know. They're they're just they're going to be like they're just going to they're going to resort to what is safe for them because remember, they're terrified and right. yeah. and stupid on some level. You know, yep. they they don't know things yet, you know. And so they some some kids, you know, the one thing I like to tell parents is some kids have never been asked how they really are feeling. Just think about that. Right. Wow. Some kids have never actually been asked, how are you really feeling right now? You know, tell me what, you know, and I'm not going to punish you for, you yeah. can just tell me whatever emotion you're having and I'm going to let that be okay. Some kids have never been asked that. And guess what? When you ask them how they're feeling, they don't know how to answer that question. You know, be, mm-hmm. one, they might not know Two, If they do know, they're like, well, what kind of landmine am I going to step on with this mm-hmm. one? You know, am mm-hmm. I going to be wrong for being angry? And mm-hmm. so, it baby steps, you know, so the first time you talk to him, you're just like, you might ask a little bit, you don't get an answer back. And you just say back to you, it's like, well, you seem angry to me, which is okay. You could be angry. You still have to do the chore. And I'm going to give you a half an hour. You seem a little upset. I'll give you half an hour. And if you want to talk about it, go for it. He's not going to come and talk about it with you. He's, he's going to huff and puff or whatever. But you've laid a groundwork. You know, it's a little baby mm-hmm. step. You've introduced this language about anger and emotion, and you're a dad that's willing to talk about that. You do yeah, that a hundred cool. times, and maybe, you know, the hundred and first time, he'll say, like, yeah, I think I'm angry, you know, and then you do that a hundred more times, and then maybe the next time, as soon as he feels the anger, he'll be like, I think I'm angry right now. <laughs> Okay, thank okay. you for saying that to me instead of <laughs> running out of the room. You know?
1: It's true. It's, yeah, it's the long game. I mean, this is really cool. I mean, as far as uh, we've got, I don't get to wrap it up because it's been so long, but um, maybe it's, it's another episode to talk about how we parent with our wives because I'm different than my wife. 100% opposite
0: the way I parent with That's my wife. That's
2: not a good campaign, man.
0: It's not a good guy. It can can work. It can work. You just have to have an agreement about it. Good cop, bad cop. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, uh,
1: Dr. Kirk, thank you so much for coming on the Dad Challenge podcast. We really appreciate your time. And um, hopefully in the future, if we have another psychology question or series, we'd love to have you back on and talk about that if if you're willing to do that.
0: Yeah, sure. It's been fun. And like I I said, you guys are doing good work. I'm sure people are really benefiting from you guys.
1: Yeah. You too. And thanks for the advice. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers. Okay. That was really cool. Um, I think it's a therapy session. The basics is what he gave us.
2: Well, and, and I, how many times did I say during this podcast about uh, my, uh, or, or disrespect, I care about that so much. I think yeah. I had like this massive realization that it really comes down to a pride issue for me. Yeah. The reason I overreact is because I don't want to lose. Yes. And they're feeling the same thing. So yes. I got to let that go. Because and they're like you
1: because they're competitive, because they want to be you. And
2: I get it. And Trish is always telling me that too, that it's, it's, it's me and... and not 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 blaming me, but saying like, hey, th- that's you. Like when they do that, that's you. So I really gotta
1: Well, look at the silver lining though, because they wanna be like you. So you have major influence over your children.
2: Yeah, it's good. But I should be influencing yeah. them to you're not right. continue down but, this path that you're right. of overreaction and, and need for for to always be pride winning, and yeah. to to win. I, I need to get rid of that. So
1: here's the coolest thing I learned from Dr. Kirk is don't have rules to break. Have wisdom to inject. So meaning don't just have hard and fast things. We don't do this here. We don't do this do it. There are certain things, yes, you don't want your kids doing. Yeah. Like, you're not, you know, there is no, you know, lighting fires in the house. There is no for us there are some hard and fast rules that we will never let go. Of, but I think he's right. He's like just have just inject the wisdom instead of making the rule. Because mm. I think what a lot of parents fail at, especially conservative Christian parents, mm. is that they have all these rules, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this instead of saying, "Hey, here's why we shouldn't." Or here's what you should think about before you do something like
3: that.
2: Yeah.
1: That was huge. For, that was a big aha moment big for one. me. For That's sure.
3: Cool. Yeah, I think I think for me it was uh when he said, what is it? The uh, the foundation is the bond. Like, we're just talking about, like, when you are, you know, trying to discipline your kid or you're trying to instruct them to, like, you know, not do this or do more of these things. If you don't have the sort of, like, relational foundation, it's it's difficult for them to really kind of, like, connect with you and really understand, like, who you are. Like, they know that you're their, their dad or whatever. But it's, it's a completely different thing when you have that sort of, like, foundation. Um, and, like, the ways that he... Uh, suggested to 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 do that. were just so simple, yeah. Like not even not even just like, hey, you know, make sure every month that you go out, you take them out, and you you go, you know, hit some baseballs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know, compliment them, say nice yeah, things about them. That was huge. and like that's like something that can be like really disarming. I, I, I would imagine as as a, as a kid. So like it's, yeah. I really yeah.
1: like that, and I think one of the things I wish I could do better was the bonding thing, and there's mm-hmm. one thing I should do better because I have four kids, and the thing I'm sometimes the most ashamed of is that my two younger kids get a lot of touch and love and kisses and like things like that and uh, my other my boys don't want it or they say they don't and so we rarely do and mm. because just because and they're adopted and it's different. They are my biological nephews. They're my blood. And I've known them since they were born, but it's yeah. just different. It is different. And so the bonding needs to happen differently. So for Tyson that means I have to sit down and make beats with him. Yeah. I got to sit down with him and be like, "Man, that's a good beat." And like that's sick. Hug. And give him a hug, punch yeah, him in the nuts he, he, and yeah, stuff. Yeah,
3: You know, kiss in him in the head, head too. too. You know what? Kiss him on the he
1: would you're right. And I think they're going he's going to be like, "Oh, you're such
3: a loser." Yeah, yeah, yeah But yeah. I think
1: you're right. I think you just do it yeah. and you just you constantly do this. So for one yeah. thing I if we're if we're challenging each other, one of the things I want to get better at is building my bond and finding something we can do together and yeah. making that a thing that we do. Like they know what I know it, that
0: Wednesdays is this day and we're doing this. All right. So that was my talk with the dad challenge podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did talking with them. <laughs> they were, uh, they're very charming guys, very real guys, uh, very, vulnerable in a lot of ways and i think that they are doing good work for society in some ways you know their listeners are probably really benefiting from from this podcast you know there's a lot of different new podcasts that have been created in the last 5 years and and i think there are a small set of podcasts that i think are actually doing a lot of good social justice work and i think this is this podcast might might be along those lines because you know a lot of dads are alone they you know as we talked about in the interview and ashamed and they've been socialized to not ask for help and to try to be independent and there's just a lot of there's just a lot of horrible things you know f- for dads and uh, we all need to do what we can to to help each other out so again that was the dad challenge podcast so at the end of this episode I thought I would just ramble off some business things If you haven't become a patron, do so now by going to patreon.com. I get a little email every time someone becomes a patron of the podcast, and it just lights up my day. So uh, if you feel so inclined, that'd be great. Also, if you're having trouble with the premium feed, email us at contact.psychologyinsteadow.com. I know that there are some issues with the technology that uh, we're trying to resolve, by the way. We might be developing our own app that you'll download onto your phone that will hopefully solve 95% of the problems that we'll see. Also, buy my book. It's called Multi-Role Clinical Supervision. If you're a supervisor or you're thinking about becoming a supervisor of other clinicians, I recommend the book. I I, I did a lot of research for it. Um, I consider it evidence-based because I refer to a lot of research. It's a short read. It's it's not a huge textbook. I I think it's I don't know 110 pages or something. But and it's a smallish book. So I don't know. I, I find it to be not as horrible of a read as a textbook could be. Also, like our Facebook page if you haven't already, and play our Tuesday tougher bluff game. Also on the Facebook page, I've started to add more polls and discussions and stuff, and it can be quite interesting. Also, join the Facebook fan group. I actually don't go to the fan group because I want fans to have their own Facebook fan group where they can talk amongst themselves and say whatever they want to say. Also, you can tweet Umberto at PsychZeroBerto, and you can also tweet us. I've started using Twitter more and plan to in the future. Um, I also plan on using Instagram more. We'll see about that. Uh, Twitter and Instagram just confuse me because I'm an old man. Also, if you're looking for archived episodes, go to the website. It's the best way to get older episodes, and there are pages on the website that are dedicated to just the premium episodes. You know, the episodes that are only available to patrons. And there's two pages there that have them all there because sometimes people are looking for a very specific episode. And the website—I I don't know—I—I I feel like it's a pretty good way to find an archived episode. It's in some ways, it's the only way. Also, we're trying to achieve our next goal on Patreon. So if you know other people who might be interested in becoming a patron, let them know. The next Patreon goal, we're going to offer another scholarship. We're currently offering a scholarship, but this is going to be another scholarship that's going to be $2500. So, uh so along those lines, we're at the end of this month, January 2019 is the deadline for the current applications. So if you're interested in applying for the scholarship of $2,000, then please email us at contact at psychology in uh, not that As of this recording, not that many people have applied. So I would say your chances are pretty good, at this point anyway. Uh, we'll see, you know, I, I imagine I'm gonna get a lot of applications at the last minute because uh, people want enough time to write their essays. Also, if you're looking for a mug, become a $20 patron. The last thing here, the last few things here are I started working with ZipRecruiter. You know, ZipRecruiter is something you hear a lot of advertisements of on other podcasts. So particularly if you're an employer. So if you're an employer and you're looking to sign up with ZipRecruiter, if you could go to ZipRecruiter.com slash psychology in Seattle and you sign up through that website, through that link, we get a pretty sizable kickback from ZipRecruiter. Because I think employers, when you sign up for ZipRecruiter, it costs a fair amount of money. So if you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash psychology in Seattle, and again, you sign up through that link, then we get a pretty big kickback. So if you're in the market and you're about to do it, uh, that would be a thing that you could do if you so chose. Also, if you become a, I think it's a $50 patron or a $35 patron, I'm not sure what they decided to do, but at one of those higher levels, you can, I think we're offering consultant services by me. <laughs> I should probably know this. We just launched this, but I will provide um, over the phone or in person, I suppose, if you live in the area, a uh, consultation services, whether it's, you know, for your business or for your life or something, I'm not going to provide therapy, because that involves a whole other kind of situation. But I can provide education or consultation, you know, some people hire me as a consultant for supervision or for their business, or even for understanding how personality disorders work. One person hired me, uh, a listener of the podcast hired me to uh, answer questions about borderline personality because their partner, this person, the, you know, this person who called me thought that their partner might suffer from borderline. And so we just kind of problem solve that. Again, it's not therapy. I'm not trying to provide treatment. I'm just providing education over the phone. So so if you become one of those upper upper patrons, that's a service that uh, might be available to you. We, I don't think we worked out exactly the details on that. But anyway, uh, along those lines... Um, If you wanted to hire me as a consultant, then you can do so. You just email us at contact at contact.psychologyinseattle.com. Another area that I've consulted on are client rights. Some people will hire me and say, you know, my therapist did this to me. What does that mean? Uh, Another area where I've been hired by listeners is therapists who are going through some kind of legal troubles or ethical issues, and they'll call me and consult with me about what to do or what to expect or how to strategize. A way of, you know, reducing the damage to their career. So anyway, you know, if you're into that, uh, that would be that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was the the dad challenge podcast. Let me know what you think. If you have uh, comments or whatever, uh, comment below, if possible, or email us at contact at psychology in com. And if you're looking for a good podcast that mixes comedy and real-life dad issues, then the dad, po- the dad Challenge podcast might be for you. Well, that does it for that episode. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You really, really do.